0: This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 198. Today, we're joined by some phenomenal leaders who share their favorite leadership hacks that have helped them to be effective and productive as leaders in today's healthcare environment. Keep listening for some great tips. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. This is Tracy. And this is Michelle. Welcome back. Your two dynamic co-hosts ready to do another episode. Super excited for this one. This is going to be really fun. We're doing a little something different that we haven't done before. And uh, so, you know, we're looking forward to you listening to this.
1: Absolutely. We actually can't wait.
0: So give us your feedback. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, definitely. Let us know what you think about it. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so today we're talking about some leadership hacks to enhance effectiveness and performance of the and um, it's really kind of a fun thing to uh, to reveal and to uncover in others. And we hope that you're going to be inspired by what you hear, maybe find something that you can leverage as a hack. But kind of before we get going, just wanted to talk a little bit about performance and effectiveness when it comes to leadership and um, just kind of get on the same page, right, mm-hmm. about what those things mean. And so when we think about leadership performance, we really think about people who, um bring work routines like processes to life, right, through professional or, or uh, proactive or informed behavior. So it's it's about behaviors when you think about performance, right? And when we think about leadership effectiveness, now that, that can be defined as a leader's ability to effectively influence followers and other organizational stakeholders to reach the goals of the organization. And that definition comes from Gary Yukel, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Y U K L. Sorry if I'm not, <laughs> but he he's an expert in organizational leadership, and um, and so what we what we've learned is every leader wants to perform right at at their very best. They want to be the best that they can be, perform at that in that way, and and also just have the most positive impact that they can possibly have as well. Yeah, so
1: today we are going to, we have gathered together some leadership hacks to share with you. Like, what is the best of the best? What are the best kept secrets to help leaders lead? Because as Tracy said, we all want to do our very best. Now, a hack is a clever solution to a tricky problem. Leading in today's environment has been very tricky to say the least. So we need some (laughs) hacks in this tricky environment we've been in.
0: (laughs) Yep. Yep. And while all leaders want to be high performance, high performers and effective as leaders, they may not know how to do that in this environment. Right. And we hear that all the time. Right. They're they um, they're looking for new ways of thinking. They're looking for new approaches, new tools, um, new processes, anything that they can use themselves as leaders and that they can share with their teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when we think about performance, elements and standards, it's really you think about measurement, right? Things that can be verified or understood or equitable or achievable. Um, And that's kind of like some standards or elements when it comes to performance.
1: And there's also some elements or standards when it comes to effective leadership as well. So one example is just the ability to delegate tasks to others, right? So often we're perfectionists. I can do it better myself. I know I've been there in the past. Like, oh, Michelle, you got a team. Um, and, you know, they really want to, they have a vision. So they're driving towards that vision. So delegation is really important because you do have a team. Another one is excellent communication. To be effective, you have to be able to communicate effectively both orally when you're talking um, as well as any written communication so that um, it's clear what you're trying to communicate as an effective leader. The other is confidence. You can't be an effective leader if you're lacking a lot of self-confidence and you don't have that self-assurance and uh, you you bring your experience and you can Build on maybe you haven't even done exactly the same thing, but you build on, uh, you know, appreciative stuff that you've done in the past. So confidence is really important. And honesty. You can't be effective if you're a dishonest leader. <laughs> and it, you know what? Your team will know it. <laughs> so it's just good to lead with honesty. And then creativity. Effective leaders don't do the same thing all the time. They're open to creativity. Um, They are looking for new and different ways to do things. And they're also open to listening to creativity of their team members. You know, they realize that maybe someone else has a better idea than they do. So all of those things are helpful to be effective as a leader.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if you're like any of the tormented healthcare leaders that we've been talking to, right, you're purpose driven and you want to have a positive impact, um, especially in your team, your organization, in your community, you're dedicated to that. Yet you're exhausted. You're feeling guilty whenever you do anything that's focused on you or giving yourself any attention or uh, uh, getting your own needs met. And you're starting to enjoy your role less and less every day and feel like disconnected from your purpose. Are we right? So
1: every day we know that you face constant change with no relief, like change is just ongoing and you struggle with a new emerging culture of expectation and a new generation of staff that have a different perspective and expectations. And we hear that a lot too, like things are changing and staff expectations are changing. You also feel torn and conflicted because you're wanting to serve. You're wanting to take care of yourself so you can be happy and experience peace and joy. But there's that conflict there with that, wanting to serve Mm -hmm. and take care of yourself.
0: Yeah, and and we get it. We understand. It feels like no matter what you do, right, it's not enough. It's never enough, right? And and that's not new either, (laughs) but it seems to be more and more, right, these days with all the challenges. There's so much to give your attention to. And the more you try, the worse it gets. And, you know, you'd love to learn from others. Like, what is everybody else doing? That's one of the things we hear from individuals in our boot camp and our coaching programs. They just love hearing from other people, knowing they're not alone, but hearing what others are doing and really learning, right, from them, how they're maintaining their performance, performance, how they're being effective, um, what they're doing during these challenging times. And so what we did is we reached out to some really incredible healthcare leaders, different organizations, different roles, different backgrounds, and they are members in our quarter of support membership. And we asked them one question and we said, what is one hack that you have used that's been valuable to you in being an a, effective leader or, or performing more effectively, and uh, and so it's kind of our way of crowdsourcing for you <laughs> some various hacks that other leaders are using again in a variety of different roles, and um, and just you know they're they're going to be available to you immediately. They're usable, and we can't wait to have our our leaders share that with you. And so you're going to start to hear from them, and then at the end we're going to share our hacks, one of our hacks that we use as well. So listen up. Let's get started. Here comes comes the wisdom.
2: (laughs) Hi, I'm Vicki Tiazzi, and I am a, a national leader in nursing informatics organizations, and I am also the director of a digital health initiative and an assistant professor. So my leadership hack is always having someone in the meeting that's in your corner. And uh, the way I use this hack is that I will you know, either talk with someone who's already going to be in the meeting ahead of time, uh, especially if it's a difficult decision or a difficult presentation perhaps. And uh, just give them a briefing on it to get their thoughts and ideas and, um, you know, really uh, leverage that person's feedback uh, going into the meeting. Uh, The other way I might use this is actually bringing someone to the meeting with me. Uh, So if it's someone who I know might be an expert in the topic or might be able to support my conclusions. I will ask to have them invited. And again, same idea, connect with them prior to the meeting uh, and be on the same page uh, going into that meeting. And uh, I've really found uh, this to be uh, quite effective for a number of reasons. Um, One is just that moral support. So having someone in the room that you know, clearly understands ahead of time what you're planning to present, um, and can perhaps um, either you know add to the conversation, reaffirm what you're saying, uh, and you know really be there for that that support. Uh, and then I think the other piece is uh, if I am not being clear. And I find it very effective to have that person who knows ahead of time the message that I'm trying to get across. And again, having them be there to elaborate on my point, um, add to it, agree, uh, things along those lines. Uh, And then last but not least, uh, for me, it really helps to have that you know, partner in the room, that smile, that person to look to um, as you are doing the presentation. It provides me with uh, confidence uh, to, uh, to move forward uh, within the meeting with the presentation and uh, really that uh, camaraderie and comfort uh, as well. So that is my favorite leadership hack.
3: So hello, I am Dr. Mary Teets. I'm a registered nurse by background with a specialty in medical surgical nursing. However, I'm also at this point a professor in the College of Nursing and also an affiliate to the Health Informatics Center at the University of Texas in Arlington. So most of my life I've been in informatics as a nurse. I am also the director of the master's in nursing informatics and health um, program at University of Texas in Arlington. I have my favorite hack that has helped me so much in my leadership skills as I've gotten to be involved with more and more people in my projects. And the one that works the best for me, I really embrace is my alter ego. And my alter ego has three different aspects to it. It's multidimensional. And it is all it has each of them are connected to a characteristic of mine that I'm trying to um, make fit in the leadership role better. So the first one is an image. And in an image, I needed someone that I could put in my mind as a picture, right? So I th- thought and thought about what I wanted to be like. And Anne Margaret came to mind. The, the reason of that is because I tend to be authoritarian. I th- tend to, um, because of the oldest of six siblings. And so I, in groups, I tend to push people along, maybe make decisions for them, you know, that kind of thing. And I needed someone with more of a sweet, um, welcoming, uh, unintimidating, personality, but still be able to be a strong person, uh, inside. And uh, if you, and Margaret was a very much a, a, favorite of mine as I was growing up. And so she became my alter ego. I, um, use her more when I need to use the polarity of candor diplomacy. I tend to be more candor straight to the point and, you uh, know, that's needed. But I, I have Anne Margaret image balance me out to the diplomacy. You know, you can just see her in the movies and how how she just kind of waltzes in and has control the situation with her sweetness. And so that is my image. But I also, along with that, becomes the name. So I didn't want to be named Anne or Anne Margaret. Um, the name is a second part of my alter ego, and my middle name is Francine. And so. I mean, Francis. So I I spunked it up a little bit by making it uh, Francine because it's spunkier than Francis. And so that made Anne Margaret's image and my name be together and one uh, part of my alter ego. And I use it when I need to in groups. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. So the benefits of, of that image is that I have, the, uh, have actually a picture I can look at right now where I have Anne margarets image on top of my camera. <laughs> and so even when I'm uh, on uh, work, on uh, m- meetings and so forth on, on virtual, I actually have the um, image that I can remind myself about Anne-, Anne margaret So that is um, the p- first and second part of my alter ego. My third part of my alter ego is a song, and that is as a song-person. And I came up with that recently uh, as an addition to my alter ego. And it had to do with I tended to limit myself in what I was able felt I was capable of doing. It's either because I have some background of my childhood, and we talked about this in groups and so forth, but I was not allowing myself to just be and take risks sometimes when i needed to. And so i thought through it one day and i thought of the movie Frozen and the the characteristic, character of Elsa. And that you know that song Let It Go actually um, that is one of a favorite song of mine and it has been but but uh, so- sung by Idina Menzel. And some of the words just so much fit with what I need in that other part of my alter ego. And I can remember the movie where Elsa was talking about letting it go to the point where she literally transformed into another person. And so I do that every day. Actually, that's one of the strongest parts of my alter ego now because I, I know it's going to be okay for me to do that with Elsa. You know, the words where she had that, that the uh, strength, and she was told to, to hide it and not use it. But the, some of the words in the song just hit home, like, uh, let it go. Um, they can't hold me back anymore. Um, it's funny how some distance makes everything seem small. And fears that once controlled me can't get to me at all. It's time that I can do what I want to do. Test the limits and break through. Right now, no rules. For me, I am free. Let it go. And I see myself when I'm testing whether I should, you know, finish the report or or come to an idea that I want to express with somebody. I go, just let it go. And I'm able to do that. And I at the end, I feel like I can build that castle that I remember her build, building in that movie. So how do I use these? The way that I use them is in groups. I use the Anne Margaret slash Francine mainly when I'm in groups. And um, I need to have that control of candor diplomacy. Okay, so I just think of some uh, ideas of, of how Anne Margaret or that uh, alter ego would handle the group at that point and still come out on top with it. And then with the um, other I, alter ego of when I'm by myself usually and, you know, using my intellectual, my creativity, letting my creativity just go ahead and go and not be held back by anything. Um, so those are when uh, the two, I kind of break it up into the ways that I would use them. So basically, what have they done for me, my alter ego? They've supported my efforts to be the person I want to be. I always wanted to be these people, but having the images and the songs and the name have pushed me into that. It allows it. So I've overcome undesirable personality traits and self-doubts by having my alter egos help me. It's not like I'm a different person. It's just allowing me to be the person I want to be. And that was the answers I wanted to leave with you today on how alter ego is a great hack to help you be a leader. Hi
4: there. My name is Deb Rio. I'm a nursing and patient care leader in a critical access hospital in McCall, Idaho. So what is my leadership hack? My leadership hack is the Omidoro technique, or the sprints of work time with breaks. The technique was developed in the 1980s and named after the tomato-shaped kitchen timer, and it looks like this. There are six steps. Identify the task or tasks that you want to complete. Set your timer for 25 minutes. Work on the task with no distractions. That's a good one. When the alarm sounds, take a five minute break, repeat the process six, excuse me, three more times and take a longer 30 minute break and start again. So how do I use this hack? Well, I used this hack re- recently when I worked on a new project or what we call in the CA or the critical access hospital world, another hat. As I found out over the uh, about a year ago when I started working at a call, we wear many hats. Okay, so now I have my new hat, and I start out with an assessment of the project. You know, check it out, find out what you can get all the data, and now I'm overwhelmed. So what do I do? Where do I start? And that's when the Omidoro technique came in, of course. How did it improve my effectiveness? I was able, first of all, to get started and and focus on my work and reduce my stress about the new hat I was wearing.
5: Hi, my name is Roberta Young and currently I'm in a chief nursing officer role in a small community hospital. And my favorite leadership hack is always leave a succession in mind and I've been privileged to be in an executive role since about 2004. And this was something I learned early on in my career, but really before I was ever in a formal leadership role. But somebody took me aside when I was in an informal leadership role and said, said to me, hey, I see potential in you and you're not going to be in this job forever. So for your next job, what do I need to do to prepare you? And I was like blown away. It's like, wow, like, who does that? And she said, no, really, I mean it. Like, what committees do you want to be on? Who do you want to meet? Who do you want to make sure knows you? And it just stuck with me as I progressed on my career that this is so important. And what a gift she gave me because, you know, I, I I, mean, truly what a gift she gave me. It always made me, I think, see the potential inside of me differently, so I really think it's that importance of being aware and being intentional about seeing that spark in other people. And before they see it, I mean, there are people who will tell you, hey, I want to be this. I want to be a CNO or I want to be a VP of operations. Awesome. Do it. But I think it's also those people that um, have that initiative, just probably view the world differently. Are very curious. Generally, when I see a spark in somebody, it's because they're curious and they're not standing for the status quo. They're always looking for making things better. And so it's looking for those people and then taking them aside and having those intentional conversations to say, hey, you know, it seems like you're really interested in this or you really want this. What can I do to involve you? How do I support you? Does that mean I need to pay you different? Does that mean I need to clear your schedule to do something? What is it? Sometimes it's just logistics, quite honestly but sometimes it's just getting them to meet another person, networking, and how important it was to network. And I think one of the things that maybe it's not even the people you hired. I'm not beyond going out to anybody who's hired within the organization or outside of it. You know, I've reached back out to a lot of colleagues and to say, hey, this is the role I have for you now, but are you interested? But don't just be looking at your own people because sometimes you see that spark in somebody else and it's like, wow. And um getting them into that and even tipping off their leader. Did you notice that this person did this? Is that somebody you want to develop and and help? And I think it's that coach, trust, verify, because when you give people new things to do, you've got to be that supportive leader that, hey, let's talk about this, can do touch points. Again, it's kind of logistics, but have touch points built in to say, hey we're going to get together because I you might not have questions right now, but, you know, if you just want to talk something over, I'm here. So let's take 20 minutes and do that. Um, I think it's verifying and then, you know, correcting where you need to. Not very often, but people want to see success. And if they know your intent is for their success or success of the organization, and you're really clear as you're explaining that people are accepting of it. They want it. And so it is that, you know, having, um, you know, just really seeing the, the good in people and their potential. But if you don't say it out loud, they may not know it. And so I'm really encouraging those leaders, use this hack, say those things out loud, notice those people with a spark. Don't close your walls off to just who you've hired. Go beyond that because there's a whole great world of grateful people. Out there, particularly in a time of workforce and leaders, really hard to find leaders, we've got to look differently. And this is just one hack you can
6: use. Hi, my name is Kathy DeFigueredo and I am the director of uh, analytics at a healthcare organization in Texas. And I wanted to talk about one of my leadership hacks on um, mindset. And the reason why I like this one so much is it's so foundational to almost everything else that I do. And what I mean about mindset is really, um, it was kind of in the last few years of just really paying attention to almost my self-talk and the stories I tell myself, the attitude, and really looking at who I want to be, You know, who I want to be in the world, who I want to be at work, who I want to be with my family. And um, then just really understanding how that frame of mind and the stories I tell, the beliefs I have, just impact everything. Um, so I had some goals about the identity I wanted, but I realized before that I had, you know, some negative stories that I was telling myself. And so, what I do to really help cultivate a positive mindset is um, every day try to have some quiet time. Where I just have either some positive affirmations or do some meditation and even just um, you know very simple, and then throughout the day, what I do is um, try to do this most days is if I find myself thinking something negative about a situation or a lot of times it's about myself or have like fears that I can't do something, um, I kind of stop that, interrupt it, and um, I actually Apologize to myself. (laughs) Sorry for that thought. Um, And then I, you know, I think because the first thing really is to recognize what you're doing. And so kind of break that, recognize it. And then I think about what's maybe the more positive. So not going all the way to, you know, I'm not like rose colored glasses, Pollyanna, but how can I see this? What else could be true? So I ask that myself a lot. Like the two questions I think is who do you want to be? And so I don't want to be a person that's like complaining and (laughs) I can't do this. I want to be strong and courageous, you know? And then um, I think also about what else could be true. A lot of times we get stuck in um, either like binary thinking. So um, what else could be true or find a third way. So find, you know, think about a a third way. So those are things um, that I do to try to just, kind of get myself back on track. And for me, it's really helped because it, I think, you know, once you show up in a certain way, then it's going to impact your environment and it's going to impact how other people behave too, because it's almost, especially, well, either way, positive or negative energy, it can kind of, you've probably been around people that suck the the energy out of the room and I don't want to, you know, show up like that. So I think having um, one of the words that I think of um, to cultivate that positive mindset is radiance. And so I think about that a lot. How can I bring light to any situation, even if it's tough? And also, how can I get people to shine brighter? You know, by me shining, it kind of gives them permission to shine. So that's... um, Again, my hack, it's simple, but it's, it's, kind of, it's again, like I said, foundational, and um, it's just like a discipline to try to do that every day. Well, this is Michelle,
1: and my favorite leadership hack is my morning routine. It also consists of some rituals that mean so much to me. This is my sacred time and I don't miss it any morning, seven days a week. (laughs) So the first thing to know is I wake up at the same time every morning at 5 a.m. and I actually put a block in my calendar for two hours for my morning routine. And the first thing I do is I go get my cup of coffee because my coffee is a very important part of my routine. And I also have my water, another important part, two hours. We need a lot of coffee and water. (laughs) And then uh, I light a candle. And the candle is very symbolic to me because it's a ritual and it's my time to connect with God and to set my intentions for the day. And then I sit in a Zen chair. I call it my Zen chair. It's in my office, but I don't sit at my desk to do my morning routine. I have a special area with a chair and some end tables with my things on it and I think that's important because you can design your morning routine around the space to have the things that you need to help support your time there and then I just settle in and for me when I settle in I say some prayers I give some gratitudes um, for people in my life for events in my life and I also say some affirmations And then I move into meditation. And I meditate about 20 hours in my morning routine. And then I keep, did I say 20 hours?
0: You did. (laughs) Michelle, I don't think you meditate for 20 hours. (laughs) (laughs) I meditate for 20 minutes. (laughs) Okay, there we go. There we go. 20 minutes. Out of your two hours.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, and sometimes I set my um, my phone for twenty minutes, and sometimes I don't. It just sort of depends on how my morning is going, and uh, and then I keep a stack of index cards next to me, and I do this. This is another hack because in I'm when I'm in this space, and I'm meditating and having this reflective time. Um, I will grab a card if I want to, if I I have an inspiration or an idea comes to me or something I want to write down. So it's right there and it's, it, it has served me very well. I put it in my planner later or do something with it, but I keep it there in the moment. So my stack of index cards are part of my routine. And then for the last uh, almost year, I've been scripting every day as part of my morning routine. So what I mean by that is I write a page every day. I set my intentions for the day. I write down my beliefs or my knowings. These are empowering beliefs that will be important for my intentions of the day. And then I write down actually what I want to have happen for the day, and uh, so that's really important to think about it from an intentional. All the amazing things that are going to happen to me that day, I write those in my scripting journal. Then I also have some reading time, and the reading time varies. I usually have a stack of nonfictional books next to me and um, I will just read some pages out of a book so that I'm inspired or maybe I'm learning something they're usually leadership related or I'll have some leadership journals there so I will pick that up as well and then I'll adjust my planner based on my morning time that quiet time and then my last part of my um morning routine is exercise. So I like to walk as part of my exercise, and I exercise three to five mornings a week. And um, in the summertime, I live in Michigan. I go out outdoors for walks. That is my jam. I love doing that. And when it's not summertime, I do it in my basement in my home, and I do my little walkabouts. Um, but it gets me moving, um, and I lift weights, and I just do the activity there as well. And the reason this has become such a sacred time for me, and I start, I can't imagine not starting my day with this hack, is it gets me grounded and centered. Um, It's important time for myself and my rejuvenation. I get creative ideas that come to me and it just starts my day out on a positive note, which then helps me be more clear as I engage with people throughout the day. And it helps me to connect with others. You know, I'm doing this soulful connection for myself. So it helps me to be intentional when I connect with others throughout the day. And I will say, even though I have two hours blocked, it can vary. Uh, but even when I travel or I, my schedule may be different, I may be visiting family, I still do my morning routine. I adapt it. But I can honestly say I never go a day without having some kind of centering time for my morning
0: Thank goodness. Yes. <laughs> just teasing folks. <laughs> and now I'm trying to imagine a morning routine that's 22 hours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh my gosh. Like, okay, no time for the day at all. We're all just getting grounded and centered. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, this is Tracy. And the hack I'm going to share with you is... Um, Quiet, silence, and stillness, and I do twenty minutes of silence and stillness every day, if not more. And um, and this is just. This has just become very, very important to me. Now, I do it every day. Sometimes I do it in the morning during my quiet time. You know, as I'm preparing, like Michelle, I have a morning routine that I do. Sometimes it's in the middle of the day. Sometimes it's at the end of the day. It just depends on where I feel I need it most. If it's to get grounded, then I'll do it in the morning. But sometimes I need quiet and stillness in my mind because I'm I'm working on a project or I'm trying to create something new. And I need to just quiet my mind and quiet the chatter, right? Like, it's like nonstop (laughs) these days, right? There's so much flowing at you. And so I, I do it at different times, as I said. I'll do it also sometimes for different amounts of time. Now, about every quarter or so, I will do four hours of silence, And that is a very different experience than 20 or 30 minutes of silence, let me tell you. And if you've never done four hours of silence, give it a try. Um, It takes a little bit to get yourself, to get your brain to quiet down. But you can have some very profound realizations and um, insights that come to you. We call them downloads, (laughs) (laughs) downloads from the universe. Um, It's really a very, very unique experience. And um, I've gone as far as to do two days of silence. So about a year ago, as I was preparing for my dis- to finish my dissertation, I rented a house all by myself. And I went and I spent two days before I started working on writing out my dissertation, finishing the chapters, I spent two days in silence just all by myself. And, uh, and it was really incredible. I mean, it was just incredible. It was so awesome. And you, know, and you don't have to be sitting still either. Right. So even silence and stillness, you can be moving. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm in nature. I'm just observing. I'm not thinking. I'm just looking around. I'm seeing what's, you know, what's around me or I've got my feet in the grass or on the ground. And I'm just, you know, I'm just sitting. When I was um, running this house, there were, I sat in front of the lake and just stared at the lake. And there were like 12 swans in this lake. It was just beautiful, right? So it was just being aware and and observing and just kind of letting myself float, right, in that space. Now, I do this because I'm a doer. I am a doer. My preference pole is performance and action and doing, right? And so this has become a very important way for me to balance that doing with just being and having that stillness and that quiet, slowing myself down um, and just taking that time to quiet my mind. And, And I do this because it really helps me gain clarity. Mm-hmm. It helps me get connected to what really matters to me. Um, to really see the whole picture. Sometimes I'm so, you know, caught. Up, I sometimes I'm overthinking things. So just to quiet myself down and my thinking down really opens up a space inside me for new insights to come to me, new ways of thinking come to me. Um, it helps me to make decisions, especially if I have. A significant decision I need to make. I'll spend time in quiet so that I'm giving the opportunity for the whole picture to show up to make sure that I'm, you know, seeing the completeness of 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 that decision and what that means. Um I get inspired. I really get inspired in my quiet time and in the silence. And I get a lot of new ideas. Um and I love that. Like I love like oh it's kind of like you have these big <laughs> aha's right um, and then the other is it's really a way for me to tap into my intuition. So, you know, when we have a lot of noise around us and there's a lot coming at us, sometimes, you know, it, it's difficult to tap into your gut feelings, right? Into your intuition. And so sometimes just creating enough space, enough quiet and stillness my intuition will kick in and I'll go, this is it, right? This is the right decision, or this is where I, what I need to do next. Or, you know, I'll get that kind of that gut level insight into, um, into whatever it is that, you know, I, I need to know. Um, It also helps me focus. So I'm actually more productive when I have silence and quiet time because I'm clearer. I I can able to focus my time and my energy and my mind when I am doing things, when I am needing to be productive. Um, And it it helps me to master my thoughts and my emotions. So we have so like, you know, hundreds and thousands of thoughts going through our head all the time. We're not even aware of all the thoughts that we have. And our thoughts drive our emotions and our behaviors. And so sometimes when I can feel my emotions coming up, I'll just try to still myself, quiet myself, just take even just a few minutes to just breathe and get still and quiet so that I can kind of get a grasp of what what is it that I'm feeling and why am I feeling it? What are my thoughts? What's triggering this? Just getting quiet and still can help me just kind of master that thought, master that emotion, correct where I'm headed, right? Kind of course correct in the the process. And it helps me to make mindful choices. Mm -hmm. So it helps me, you know, to really be intentional about the choices that I'm making and to be very mindful about what I'm doing. So that's how I use silence and stillness. It's just really slowing down, getting some pauses <laughs> so the music of my life can play on. <laughs> Hit that pause button. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 So we really hope you are enjoying hearing these hacks from us and from our colleagues and we're going to make these available to you in a download and um, you can get that um, in our show notes. So you'll be able to go to a a link in the show notes to actually download these seven leadership hacks um, so that you can maybe use them in the future.
1: Yeah and you know not practicing hacks, not looking at new ways to doing things, you know, you're going to continue to struggle and feel that uncertainty of what to do during these times. And you'll, you'll keep feeling that tension of between the leader that you are and the leader that you want to be.
4: Yeah, yeah.
0: And yeah. so, you know, these are some options for you. Mm-hmm. And picking and choosing maybe one, maybe one you're like resonated with you, right? And just trying one, something that aligned with you personally um, really can help you to connect with what you value, what matters most, help you move closer, as Michelle said, to really being that leader that you want to be and um, and that your team deserves. Yeah. So let's go have a hackathon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, this was really a lot of fun to do. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic. Don't forget to go into the show notes and download that, that, the whole sheet on the, on the hacks we provided today, that reference for you, because that will be very valuable. And we will see you next time. In the meantime, stay safe and healthy and hack away. Enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, now a top rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcasts and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.